that door to go to Narnia. Just follow Mr. Tumnus that way. Parents, if you forgot to check in your children for Children's Church, we need you to go out that door right there, and there's a check-in kiosk where you can get it all squared away and all set. And we are in a festive holiday mood today, which means I'm going to ask the adults to make their way to their seats. The Silver Saints have uh, Yes, today. Yeah, they're... I'll just... It's whatever it is today. So today, right after service... There we go. Oh, Norma Belusic has invited me personally. She came up to me today and she said, you are personally invited to the Silver Saints lunch. I said, thank you. So if you are a Silver Saint, please go join them. It's going to be an awesome time. Okay. Nobody showed up last night, right? Nobody showed up? I hope okay. not. Okay. Oh, you, sh- you were probably working here. You live here. All right. Well, that was Damaris if you didn't catch that one. All right. So... We are not having Saturday night service all the way to January 5th, which means we'll be back on the 12th. But uh, all through that, we're going to have all kinds of caroling, all kinds of, we're going to tell you about some of that, all kinds of events going on. But just Sunday morning, don't need to tell you when that is because you're here right now. So you should be aware. Right. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Yes, it does start at 1030. There is that. Okay. Bethlehem. Who went and volunteered out at Bethlehem? I think there's, there's more to come, but don't forget... When Bethlehem is over, we've got to tear it down, okay? So we're doing the Bethlehem teardown on December 9th. That is a Sunday. Bring your gloves. Do not forget your gloves. Some of those sets are old and covered in splinters. Uh, you want to bring them. Uh, we'll need some drills as well just to uh, get some screws out. And we'll start around 2 p.m. That is, gosh, that is next Sunday, isn't it? So yeah, next it Sunday. Be ready for that. All right. And that is a big Sunday because the youth are having their progressive dinner that night. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so we still need a little bit of help with food. So parents of youth, if you want to get with myself or Bethany, um, probably her, she'll remember better, uh, to help out with some of the food. We just need a few more items for the houses. And don't forget that we have the kids dress up nice so we can take some, some fancy Christmas pictures for that. And that'll start at 6 p.m. We'll meet here at the church. All right, so I have this memory of a kid when uh, during Christmas time, one of my favorite memories would be going Christmas caroling with our church, and we would go around the neighborhoods, and we would just sing to people. Um, and you know what the, the best part of it all? I remember the best part of it all was seeing the people's faces when we came out to sing to them. They were just blessed, and, you know, just by coming out to them, bringing the church to them was so impactful. So this year we're going to have Christmas caroling again. Woo woo! Um, but the way, but, but the way it's organized is going to be a little bit different. So how we're going to do it is we're going to have a team leader for each group, and so that leader will give you cards to make sure that you're in the right place at the right time. So group leaders, can you stand up for a second for me? I'm a group leader. I'm a. Gr- he's a group leader. All right, so we've got these few. Um, who has space in their group left? All right, we've got a few. So if you are interested, please go and talk to them. They will give you the details. All right, mark your calendars for January 19th. I am so excited about this, which is, yeah, Freedom 5K. This who came is, last, or this year, I guess it would be this year, right? Yeah, right, yeah. right. <laughs> It was January. Awesome. Okay, awesome. this Oh, I'm so passionate about I'm so excited about This is fundraising for our partners, Hope House. Um, they are in the Philippines, and they um, have, like, 
have this restoration house for girls who have been trafficked. Um, this is, uh, did you know that January is actually Human Trafficking Month Awareness? Did you know that? Anybody? It's really cool. I knew because you told me backstage just there moments go. ago. <laughs> okay, so um, if you are interested in um, running this 5K, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be fun. You're going to be with people that you love, hopefully. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so go to freedom5k.org. Freedom Feet. Freedom Feet. 5k.org. I'll do it one more time so you can freedomfeet5k.org. All right. And that they they will have the registration and the sign up cost for you. So All right. Okay. Um I know we're going to bless them at the end of service day, but uh can we really welcome Shane as he comes up? Woo! The Shane train. Shane train. My love language is words of affirmation, so I feel that. You could have touched me on the way up here, I wouldn't have felt much, but it's the words of affirmation. So thank you guys. Um, Wow. I was just, as we were worshiping, I was just remembering the first time that I got up here, it was on a Wednesday night, and I remember how awkward I felt (laughs) coming up here for the first time, and I just wanted to say that you guys... I really appreciate how you guys have always made us feel um, so welcome and encouraged by being up here. Every time that I've even came up here, I've just felt like, like it's just like right when you walk in the front door of somewhere, how you just feel so welcome. I, I just, you guys have created an environment where I feel like I can just open myself up and open my heart, and it's like, just so receptive. Is anybody following what I'm talking about? That's a very rare environment where you can walk into and I'm like, I feel so loved by them that I could say something really stupid and they would still love me anyway. God's been speaking, God spoke through a jackass in the old covenant and he's been doing it ever since. I've been up since five. I don't know if that's okay to say or not, but it's in the Bible, so it must be okay to say. So, Thank you, guys. We felt, I w- and, and I just wanted to say, I know that I said this before, but the day that we got here, Tim and Elizabeth called us up, and, and we'd been trying to have a baby for a long time. We'd lost our, our first one, and they laid hands on Wendy, and then from that moment, the doctor traces back the moment that Jasmine, that Wendy would have been pregnant with Jasmine would have been that day, the exact day that we moved here, so... I just wanted to say I love you guys. We're so grateful for our time here. I don't know if I'm going to be doing this later. I just wanted to make sure everyone knows I love you, you. I love you. I love you, you. I do. I love all of you. You, you. And I, and I appreciate you. And Wendy, we, we feel so blessed to have been here and just so thankful for you. So please, hear my heart in that. I will, hopefully. <laughs> um. Oh, yeah, I was going to call Wendy up. Wendy had some prophetic words for people. (laughs) 
Awesome. How many know it wouldn't be our, our last to hear without giving some words, right? <laughs> and the Lord just put them on me in worship, and I was like, yes, let's do this. Lisa Taylor, can you stand up? Yeah, she already had her phone out ready to record. <laughs> That's a woman of that great was, faith right there. She knew that something was, was about amazing. To <laughs> She's ready. Let's see. Take some, you're recording too. Yeah, I just, I looked at you during worship, and I just saw this past season that you've been birthing something in the spirit, and I felt it very deeply, like it's been a deep birthing, and you felt it deeply, and I feel like it's been hard but good, and I felt like you were in this season of transition of of birthing, and I know you have kids, so you understand transition can be the hardest part of labor, and releasing it. And I saw you birthing actually something for the region. Yeah. <laughs> and um, the Lord instantly, see, instantly said Acts 2, which we know that that is the day of Pentecost, right? He just instantly said Acts 2. And I felt like what you were releasing, he showed me, was there's a part in Acts 2 where it says, um, we heard they were speaking in tongues, and, and they heard all of them heard it in their own native language, and there was a bunch of different people from different places there. And I felt what the Lord said was what you were birthing was that acts to release of the power of the Spirit, but through unity in a way that it's never been seen in this region before. And um, that, that you've been called into this place of intercession, into this place of birthing. And I know you do lead a, a prayer group here during the weeks as well, and it's like the Lord is just releasing that through you right now, that the, that, that birthing is coming. And you're going to begin to see it in um, strange ways. Because it also in Acts 2, it says, when they were talking about those people with the different tongues, it says, are they drunk, right? And so I feel like what you're birthing in the region has to do with unusual signs and wonders in the Lord, unusual things in God and the power of his spirit. And so can everybody just... Hold your hands out to Lisa. Let's just blast her good. Father, we just thank you right now, God. We thank you for this anointing on her life, God, to birth things through intercession, God, to birth things of your heart, Father. And and right now, God, I just speak a release of what she's been carrying within her for this region, God, in the power of the Spirit and in unity. Father, we just thank you for that right now. We speak a release. And um, I see doors opening for you um, in government and to speak into the lives of, of, of people in government. I see doors opening. I see um, there's kind of like um, a community of women that God is putting around you for intercession and that you guys are, are going to be called into places um, of influence to speak into the, to the hearts of the people that lead in government. And so, Father, we thank you for that right now. We bless Lisa. We, we speak that um, this is a, a light gift of intercession, <laughs> a light gift of intercession um, that, would be, that would come through her and be released out easily in your spirit, God, that it would not be a heavy thing. It would, he, he has no burden for you to carry. He just has a release of the things in his heart. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Alex Shaw, can you stand up? I don't really know you that well, but the Lord totally gave me a word for you during worship. Let's see. 
He gave me Isaiah 61 for you, and as you know, that's for all of us, but specifically, he said Isaiah 61.3 for you. You are an oak of righteousness. And I saw you uh, speaking and preaching the word of the Lord in great authority. And what he told me was that you're going to be uh, one that turns beauty or takes and those ashes and turns them into beauty. And that's in Isaiah 61 too. And um, you're a restorer of dreams for people. And one of the reasons that God is going to release that through your, your words, your preaching, the, the part of your life that um, goes so deep, there's such a strength in you. It's an oak of righteousness. And I feel like you've been in a season the past couple years, and there's going to be this preparation that goes, I feel, for three more years uh, that this strength that's being built up inside of you, that oak of righteousness, that the Lord wants to build that deep. And so let him to go deep. Let him go to that place. And I feel like in three years there is going to be a release for you of something that has to do with that Isaiah 63 anointing and that you're going to begin to um, just speak the word of the Lord in great authority. And it's going to start now and begin to increase. And then there's going to be a release. So can you hold your hands out to Alex? Yeah, Father, we just thank you for Alex. Alex, Lord, we bless him. God, I thank you that I see that oak going straight through you. The oak is going straight through you. Body, soul, and spirit. And the Father is going to begin to to build that strength. And it's going to come in the form of his, his voice. And sometimes it's going to come in the form of circumstances. But he wants it to come in the form of his voice. That's what he wants it to come from. And so I feel like in this, these next three years, you're going to begin to just hear his voice very clearly, and that's going to be that place of strength. As you hear his voice, that you're going to begin to speak his word in great authority. In Jesus' name, amen. So good. You just want to stay up here and keep going? I was really glad Tim was feeling like he was feeling that God was releasing like his love and, 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 and knowing that God's love is your foundation because that's what I've been feeling is like there's something that he's stirring in me that he's been stirring in me for a long time. And basically, I would say over the last really year and a half, the one thing that I've been pursuing, and, and even Chris Gore touched on it, was pursuing the heart of God, right? Because in the new covenant, Jesus raises the bar a little bit, and he says, I'm going away, and a new commandment I give you, love people as I have loved you, which looks different than me loving you how I love myself, right? Because if I'm having a bad day, and I don't like myself one day, it doesn't give me a right not to love you today right? Jesus is like, love as I have loved you, right? And he says he came to represent the Father. Him and the Father are one, right? So for me to do that, I need to know how much he really loves, because I cannot give what I don't have. Prophecy, all those things will go away, but love is the one thing that remains and is eternal. Love never fails. So I've just been on this journey of like, I'm just going to keep pursuing the love of God and just see what happens, right? See what flows out of that place. Like, I want to know his heart, and what does that look like when Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I remember when I first 
when I first got saved, I don't remember the message. It worked. God, God, was, God was still in it, but it was, it was frightening. Because at the same time, I knew that Jesus loved me. At, the, at this church, I didn't know much about Holy Spirit. I just knew that Jesus loved me. And basically what I was told was, that Jesus loves me, but he's here to protect me from the Father. <laughs> I'm like, dang. So I have this image of like Jesus being Captain America, blocking the wrath of God from just annihilating me, right? I mean, like, Jesus came because God was really mad at you, and he needed someone to just take all of his stuff out on, right? So in my heart, I'd always been like, okay, Jesus loves me a lot. Yay, you saved me from God. Holy Spirit gives me the goosebumps at night so I can go to bed and like, woo, I feel Holy Spirit. But God is somehow holy other, right? Come on. He's holy other. He's mad. And Jesus is Captain America. Thank you, Jesus. But as I've just been exploring and then this season of like, okay, like I'm pursuing the heart of the Father. He keeps bringing me back to Jesus' perfect theology. If you've seen me, you have seen the Father. They said, Jesus, will you please show us the Father? He's like, hello, here I am. The Father and I are one. I want to revisit some scriptures that I've went over before because I want to take it a little bit different direction. But can you guys turn with me to 2 Corinthians 7, starting in verse... Yeah, 2 Corinthians 3, starting in verse 7. But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory." For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if what was passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we use great boldness of speech. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away, but their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. Because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. It's just, it's so interesting to me. I was just, I really just started thinking about this as I was reading it. And it's not exactly where I'm going. But it says that Moses was hid in the rock as the glory was passing away. As, his, as the glory, as the goodness was passing by, right? He was hidden in the rock, and when he come down, he had a veil over his face. But it says in the new covenant, we're in the, God is, we are hidden in Christ, our rock. That glory was passing away. It says we go from glory to glory in Christ, in our rock. Interesting, right? The Bible says that Moses sat with God face to face, right? But it also says no one has ever seen God. But the veil is removed in Jesus, right? That's what it's saying. Only in Christ is God revealed. They didn't know what they were doing. They didn't see the heart of God until Jesus showed up. He removed the veil and said, all right, I come with grace and truth, 
right? You guys have been blinded, not knowing the Father's heart or who we are, who we are as one. But here, here we are. It has been removed. The veil has been lifted. Now you can see how we really feel about you, right? There's one verse that I've always had trouble with. And thank you, Jesus. There's, there, there's one verse that, actually there was two, that would always get me hung up on, like, okay, like, Jesus really loves me, but what is that thing like, when Jesus was crying out on the cross, God, my God, why have you forsaken me, right? I just want to paint a different picture, okay? I want to paint a, a picture. If we put ourselves, keep in mind, this book was written, it was written for us, but it was not written to us, right? Everything that Jesus said, he was talking to a Jew that was under the law, right? That's a good way to read the Bible, I'm like, woo, I'm reading that. So we have to understand that what was going on in that moment was something real. It's not just something we read. There were real people around, and there were people in that environment that was like witnessing this firsthand. Right? This was really happening. It's not just a story. It really happened. But in that moment, when they're hearing Jesus cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They're hearing something quoted. They're hearing, they're, he's quoting Psalm 22. And in that culture, at, we have these little kids running around right now. And in that culture, they were learning those Psalms and memorizing them firsthand. It would be like Casey Kasem when he does his Saturday thing where the top millennials have no idea what the heck I'm talking about. Casey Kasem. Top 20 countdown, right? It would have been on Casey Kasem's, it was the chief messianic psalm. It was the chief one. They would have understood exactly what Jesus was saying. He was quoting something they knew verse for verse. Had it memorized from the time they were this little. It would be like me saying, you're a good, good father. And finishing it. Quoting one verse in their, con- in their culture is like quoting the whole thing. We don't want to say the whole thing. We're going to quote the first verse. And then that's like articulating the meaning of the whole psalm. He said, we're going to quote that verse. Everyone is going to know that right now I'm fulfilling that poetic chief messianic psalm. So I'm going to read it. We can pop it up here if you guys want to turn to Psalm 22. And let's hear exactly what they were hearing in that moment. You guys okay? All right. Like as we're reading this, let's put ourselves in that place of like, okay, I'm there right now, and I'm seeing this happen right in front of my eyes. This is, this is something that everyone there in that moment would have been playing in their head as Jesus said that. Isn't that crazy? Like they're hearing that, oh, he's quoting Psalm 22. Oh, and then that whole thing is playing through their mind. Let's read it. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Does that sound familiar? He's quoting something. Why are you so far, he's, he's, he's describing his experience on the cross, but remember, it's a poetic psalm. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night season, and am not silent, but you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. 
They trusted in you and were not ashamed. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. All those who see me ridicule me. He's describing his experience. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head. He trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. But you are he who took me out of the womb. You made me trust while my mother's breast. Remember, Jesus' mom is right there. They're probably looking at Mary in that moment going, oh, okay, she's right there. You made me trust while my mother's womb. I was cast upon you from birth, from my mother's womb. You have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They gape me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all of my bones are out of joint. He's describing exactly what his body's feeling right now. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a pot shirt, and my tongue clings to my jaws. Remember, Jesus cried out, I'm thirsty. You have brought me to the dust of death, for dogs have surrounded me. The congregation, the wicked, has enclosed me. They pierce my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Remember, Jesus was naked. They ripped his clothes off. So probably the same people who ripped his clothes off are probably standing there with his garments looking at each other like, oh my gosh. Right? You remember, they had these memorized. But you, O Lord, do not be far from me. Now he goes into praise. But you, O Lord, do not be far from me. O my strength, hasten to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life, from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen. You have answered me. I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him and fear him, all you offsprings of Israel. For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. Nor has he hidden his face from him, but when he cried to him, he heard. He has not hidden his face from him, but he heard his cry for help. They never lost communion there. In Colossians 2.9, it says, The fullness of the Godhead bodily dwells in Christ. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He did not hide his face from him, but he heard his cry for help. My My praise shall be of you in great assembly. I will pay my vows before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship. All those who go down in the dust shall bow before him. Even he who cannot keep himself alive, a posterity shall serve him. It will be counted of the Lord to the next generation. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born, that he has done this, or it is finished. He has done this. So when he's saying that, he's articulating, he's articulating the song. He's saying, I'm fulfilling this, and everyone there knows what he's saying. 
And then the earthquake and the centurion says, surely this is the Son of God because of all this that just happened. We do this weird thing like Jesus is here to protect us from God. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We are one. The Trinity never imploded on itself. They were never at odds with each other. The Father loves you. It was not punished, it was forgiven. You cannot punish and forgive at the same time. If I beat the crap out of my daughter and spank her and say, I forgive you, I'm not forgiving her. It was forgiven. If I go to the bank and I owe the bank a million dollars, they say, you know what, Shane, we're going to forgive that debt. And then they give me a call the next day and say, but you're going to owe me $2 million. I thought you forgave me, (laughs) right? Hear my heart on this. Jesus came to show us the Father and reveal him. Brother, but what about Isaiah 53? Because in our English translation, it sounds a little iffy. But if we read that in the Septuagint, which would, or a literal translation of the Bible, you will not come to that same conclusion. If you read the, the translation that Jesus read from, it doesn't sound like that, okay? Always English to Hebrew doesn't always perfectly match with words. Are you guys all right? I'm just saying this has revolutionized my walk with God because I know that God loves me the same way Jesus did. Jesus said, here I am, guys. I love you. I'm in love with you. And I'm going to give my life for you. Come on. They were one. They never became unone. It's impossible for us to call ourselves Christian if we believe somehow that the, they weren't one. Right? If you're saying Jesus isn't God, then what you're saying is you can't be a Christian. Right? You're saying he was only a man. He was man and he was God. In Corinthians, it says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting on their trespasses against them. Before Jesus was going to the cross, he was talking to his disciples. And what was he saying? I love how he worded this. He goes, okay, guys, y'all are about to, y'all are about to all scatter and be real scared. And, and it's going to look like I'm alone, but I'm not alone in what I'm about to do. The Father is with me. John 16, 32, I believe. The Father is with me. I'm not alone. And he even says, I say this to you so that y'all will have peace. He's, he, it's Jesus and so much grace. I'm saying all these things to you guys because y'all are probably going to beat yourselves up for denying me and running away. But I'm telling you these things just so y'all will have some peace, okay? I already know that's going to happen. I love you. It's not changing what I'm doing. Don't you love Jesus? He's like, this is what's going to happen. I'm saying all these things to you so you'll have peace. Don't worry about, you're about to deny me, Peter. Y'all, y'all shake that off. I'm coming back. It's all good. And that's, and that's where we get, there's that verse that talks about that they deny, that they were denying the cross because they thought it was foolish. I don't remember exactly where it's at, but they were talking about the foolish, they're perishing because of the foolishness of the cross. What does that mean? Well, if you're thinking about it, in their pagan traditions, their gods, it was all about, in their, in their tradition, which god can be, which god is the strongest, which is the most powerful, which one is the most stoic. They would, they would get in debates, this god's the strongest one, this god's the strongest one. That was their argument. So when they're saying the foolishness of the cross, they're saying it's foolish to them that God would come down to earth, make himself super vulnerable, that he would die a humiliating death. That is the most humiliating way to die, especially then. You're naked, you're beaten, you're dying as a criminal. He completely made himself vulnerable and says, I've got to do this so they can see how I feel about them. So to them, that's foolish because gods don't do that. Fathers don't do that. But to them, they said it was foolish. 
But to our God, it's not foolish. He goes, here I am, guys. I'm in love with you. He not only, li- he not only l- is in love with you, he likes you a lot. He made himself so vulnerable so we could see the fullness of the extent of his love. That's a very vulnerable way. A God that comes down and dies in that way. That's, how vulnerable is that? Whew, that messes me up every time. Jesus redefines the word father. You know that Jesus was the first one to cry out, Abba? Because we'd always seen him, father, holy other. He goes, actually, he's Abba, which means daddy. And I believe he was painting that same picture in the parable of the lost and the parable of the, of the prodigal. He's painting that same picture. They're like, why are you eating with the sinners? God, the father, once he paints a picture, he paints it of a father. And, it, and it's the same way it parallels. To me, it parallels. A father that comes down from heaven, a father that comes out of his house, looks up on his son. Let's remember, they live all together, even wealthy people, in villages that were about six acres. They, it's not like he was up on a hill somewhere and he saw him from a great distance. If he saw him, that means he'd been looking for him for probably months or years knowing his son was going to fail right? He's waiting on him, and he sees his son coming from afar. He says he saw him coming from a great distance. That's a nuance, because spiritually, he was still not completely right. He still needed to be restored. It said that he was lost, and he was found, right? There's a scripture, it's in Ephesians somewhere, it says, you who were far away, he brought near. So he sees him at the edge of the village coming, and what does he do? I know I talked about this before, but this is you, we cannot get the amount of humiliation this took for someone living back then. Someone of reputation grabbing their robe up and running, running to catch the son coming before he gets to the village where he's going to be humiliated. There's going to be a, sermon, a ceremony that's going to take place, and he's going to be humiliated in front of the village. So the father says, it's okay because I'm going to completely humiliate myself and catch you before you get to the village. I'm going to raise my robe. It actually talks about in the Talmud that even the priest couldn't even raise their robes up whenever they were making sacrifices and there was blood everywhere. Like, don't raise your robe. It says if a bird ran out under their robe, you wait till you're not in public and you get that bird out. You do not, seriously, that's one of the things that said, you do not raise your robe ever in public. Like, that's, you're going to lose your reputation because their culture is all about shame and honor. It's all about honor or shame. You don't do that. Bird falls under there. No, you wait till no one's looking and you go around the corner or something. It would be like, nowadays, we see the president running on TV, probably not the one now, but before, they got to make sure... <laughs> he runs his mouth on Twitter some, but that's about it. That's funny. It's okay. Um, <laughs> but what do they do? They catch them in jogging suits, right? If they're going to be jogging, we're going to make sure he's in a jogging suit. You never see someone in a suit or a president in a suit, let's compare it to our culture, running for a taxi cab, right? You very rarely will ever see a person dressed up nice making a run for it. I'm dignified right now, but no. This is a father that says, I'm willing to completely undignify myself. I'm willing to go down, come down from heaven, and run the gauntlet for them. It's a picture of the cross. 
and go out to them and humiliate myself in the most, in the most crazy way to prove to the son how I feel about him. He ran the gauntlet for him. Did you notice too that the prodigal had all this big spill? He was, he was eating with the pigs. He's like, I already know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back. I'm going to tell the father this. I'm going to he was going through all the rituals of the law of like, okay, to the Pharisees, this is what I got to do to get right with my father. I'm going to do this. He gets all of these things in his mind of how he's got to get right with the father. That way he can earn his way back, earn it, because it said he wanted to be a craftsman and get the money back and earn his way back into the house. That was his goal, right? So instead of that, the father sees him run and he runs out there to him. And did you notice The father reconciled him before the confession. It's a picture of the cross. Jesus is painting a picture for them. I'm the father who comes in this way, and I'll come and I'll meet you, and I'm going to forgive you even before a confession. And everything dramatic done in that culture is always visibly seen, especially in villages like that. You think rumors go around little high schools? This is like a village where the streets are like this, everything is really close, and everybody knows everybody's stuff. And this would have been done during the day for everyone to see. Everyone would see. And you can tell by the way that he turns to his servants and says, okay, go get the robe, the ring, and the sandals. Right? People are with him. It didn't say he walked back to the house and said this. People were with him. He said, I'm not going to have my boy walk back into the village humiliated. I've already done that for him. Bring the robe. The best robe, which would have been the father's robe, the signet ring and the, and, the, and the shoes. I've already ran the gauntlet for him. Now everyone can see in the village that there's no need for that. I've already restored him. Didn't do anything to earn it. He's, he's talking about the cross, you guys. He's talking about not only am I coming for sinners in this way that I'm coming, that I'll humiliate myself so they can see how I feel about them. And did you notice that Jesus... Because the, 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 the parables are lining up with each other. He tells them a parable about the good shepherd, which he's talking about him. I'm the good shepherd. He's like the woman who came to find her lost coin, right? And then he's building on top of that. He's saying, okay, guys, I'm going to throw one last jab in there. I'm hitting the nail on the head. This is the final one I'm putting in there. We're going to use people. But the sheep never repented. The sheep was found, right? The coin was found. What does the father say? The boy was lost, and now he was found. He didn't come home and repent. He was hungry. The Bible makes it clear. He was hungry. He was going home. I'm hungry. They eat better than I am eating right now, right? It wasn't until the son could see the costly love of the father that he could, that he could like, repent, right? He's like, all right, what a... Like, what else can I do? The father just humiliated himself by running the gauntlet for me. What other response can I have? He, did you notice he didn't give him the spill after that? Everything that he had planned to say, he didn't even say it. He's like, all right, I've been restored. I was wanting to come home and be a servant, but no, he wants to bring me home as a son. It's also interesting to me that in the story, it's like in the first parable, they're celebrating the shepherd who found his sheep, right? They're having a celebration. In the second story, they're celebrating with the woman. They're celebrating the woman because she found her coin. And in the third one, they're celebrating the father because he found his son. 
Sometimes we do that, and they're like, well, they're having a party for the son. Even the big brother is like, he doesn't even know what the heck's happening. He's like, you're making a party for him. It's about celebrating the father. It's all about his love. Yeah, they're celebrating the son, but in the context of look what the father did. He humiliated himself completely, made himself vulnerable. Look what he did, the costly love of the father. It's about celebrating the father. And and I feel like that we have to see him in this way if we're going to fulfill the commission that he's given us. He says, to love as I have loved. Well, what does that look like? It looks pretty crazy to me. I know that I've got to experience that kind of love in my heart with him and my relationship with him for me to give that away. Not only does he love you, but one of the reasons that he came here, he loves you, but he also